Hello, listener, and welcome to Straight Shot Health Talk. This is the podcast that provides honest and straightforward information about health, wellness, and how to survive our crazy healthcare system. This is for people who want to focus on getting well instead of just treating symptoms. Sound like you? Then let's get started. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin, and today we're going to talk about getting in shape. Now, as we do know from lots and lots and lots of different episodes here, there are only four things that you really need to do to stay healthy and prevent most chronic diseases. Those four things being eat real food, move and exercise in a natural manner, stay away from toxins. Those are things like like uh, cigarettes. And those also include toxic people and places. So bad work environments, bad relationships and such. And then the last one, which is a big one for me, comes down to stress, stress management and learning how to effectively deal uh, with stress in your life. Now, today, though, because I don't talk about the fitness and the nutrition aspects very much, I brought in a good friend of mine. And this is Vic McGarry. And Vic is an army veteran. He was a previous infantryman. Also, he has a background in law, um, which he extricated himself from. <laughs> Since there's many lawyers <laughs> out there that are like uh, too stressed out and in, in, uh, hurting their health with that type of particular profession. But he has a background in fitness and nutrition. He has developed some incredible online programs to help people get fit to work themselves in a way that actually makes sense, that is simple and straightforward and not deals with confusing processes and trying to do some crazy weird diets that you're only going to drink, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something crazy here, beet juice every day. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, let's talk a little bit more about this. And Vic, could you tell us again your background here just for the listeners? Sure. As you said, I'm a former U.S. Army infantry soldier, a former lawyer, uh, also owned a martial arts and fitness studio for several years. From there, moved on into predominantly helping people lose weight and get fit through my online work. Now, how did you, that's sort of a switch from law to fitness and exercise. And what was, what was the driver there? How did that really get started? The driver there was just dissatisfaction with my day job. I mean, I never really enjoyed being a lawyer. I went to law school for the same reason a lot of people do. I did not like my job prospects after undergrad. (laughs) I had a a criminal justice degree. What was I going to do? Go be a prison guard? Go be a probation officer? Didn't sound too uh, lucrative nor exciting to me, so I thought, hey, I'll apply to law school. And look at this. I actually got in. That was the bigger shocker. So I went to law school. I actually went to night school, so it was a four-year program. And during my night school, I worked full-time as an intern for the local prosecutor's office. So I would work eight hours a day uh, shuffling papers for the lawyers, and then at night I would go to school myself. Fantastic. And so over that time when you're doing those things that lawyers do and getting upset and angry and depressed, which is – I don't know if you ever knew this, but uh, depression in lawyers, I think they're – Physicians are very depressed and lawyers are very depressed. Now, interestingly, depression seems to make lawyers better lawyers <laughs> because it focuses their attention and makes them pay vivid attention to detail, uh, but it's not very healthy for them to do that anyway. Um, but so tell me about the fitness then. So how did you then transition your, you know, you're practicing law, you're doing law. How did you transition into the fitness world then? It goes back to how I actually got started into fitness, and that was during my last year in the military. I was stationed in Seoul, South Korea. There are lots of opportunities whenever you're stationed overseas to get into trouble. Uh, and so instead of doing that, instead of going out 
drinking every night with my fellow soldiers, I wanted to educate myself on something that I found very interesting, and that was health, fitness. And so I did a correspondence course, got my personal training certification that way, stayed out of trouble. When I came back stateside, uh, it was still something I was very interested in, but I had this law degree, so I go to work as a lawyer. But while I'm working as a lawyer, I also start training clients in the evenings after work. Fortunately, I was a government lawyer, so I did work a pretty steady nine to five. I wasn't one of those lawyers working in the soul-crushing over 2,000 hours a year billing programs in the big law firms. You know, I wasn't working like that, luckily. So I did have the opportunity to train clients in the evening, train clients on the weekend. Oftentimes, they were my fellow lawyers, <laughs> you know, so they needed the stress relief, like you're saying. Uh, and from there, I just really enjoyed it, and eventually, I opened a storefront building a studio that was both a martial arts facility and fitness. Uh, and then it just got to the point where eventually I could not do both any longer. The storefront grew to the point that I had to make the decision. It's either going to stay stagnant or if I want to make it grow, I have to quit the law. And so that was my decision. I did. I quit the law. Fantastic. Fantastic. So within your expertise or what you saw with your fitness program, what do you think are the number, you know, the top three problems that people have when they're trying to, you know, they, they have this idea, I want to get in shape, I want to lose 20 pounds, I want to lose 10 pounds, whatever the case may be. What are the top three things that you find is that they struggle with? What are the big ones? I'd say the very first one is placing exercise over diet. You know, you broke down the four basics and I agree with them 100%. In fact, I say it almost the exact same way word for word. I don't go into the toxins. I tend to put that underneath the rest and recovery. You refer to it as stress reduction. Uh, I tend to put that underneath rest and recovery, which I refer to as sleep primarily, stress reduction, and then uh, recovery in physical means, whether that be myofascial release or the uh, staying away from toxins like you mentioned. Uh, so first and foremost, though, for weight loss specifically, people have to realize that nothing is more important than their diet. Uh, unfortunately, people oftentimes put their focus on exercise, and here is my theory as to why. Whenever you exercise, you feel it immediately. Mm -hmm. and you don't just feel it immediately. It feels good immediately, right? There is a uh, there is a physiological response where endorphins are released. It feels good. You actually feel heat, so you think, hey, I'm burning fat right now. Um, whereas you put a spoonful of broccoli in your mouth, how's it feel? It, it's, it does not give you an immediate euphoric experience. Uh, and so people tend to move toward the exercise because it feels good. But the fact is that no workout is going to out-train a poor diet. And so that's the first mistake I see time and time again, people placing their emphasis on exercise as opposed to diet. So really diet first is the big Diet one. first. Diet first and foremost. And in fact, I tend to list recovery after diet instead of exercise. Exercise is the last place I look. Really? Exercise is the very last place I look because, as, as you're well fam familiar with, uh, weight loss, fat loss comes down to hormone balances is what we're coming down to here. And one of the worst things people do for their hormones is they wreck their sleep. And so once I see the diets dialed in, they're still not losing weight. Next place I look to is their sleep. Are they going through an evening ritual that includes powering down their electronics at least an hour before they go to bed? Are they keeping their room cool and dark? Are they using that room for nothing but sleep and sex? Are they keeping all the electronics out? Uh, that's the next place I go. You know, I, uh, I, I never really thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense because if you look at sleep, disturb, you know, sleep deprivation and, and uh, chronic sleep deprivation, you know, just like you said, the hormones get out of crazy, crazy, your cortisol levels and that cortisol exactly. is a big one. Um, you know, those, those levels become aberrant. 
So that makes, you know, I never thought about that before, but that makes a lot of sense to me. Lots and lots of sense. Okay, so we're working on the diet. And we, I want to touch back on what diet is, um, but okay. recovery. And then what's the third one then you think? Exercise. Exercise. Or, or what is the, the third uh, error you mean? Yeah, the third error. Or, uh, the third error is uh, lack of focus on habit creation. I have what I call the three tiers of fat loss. Uh, the top tier is the what, the middle tier is the how, the bottom tier is the why, and the why not. Everybody looks at the what, and the what is the diet, the exercise recovery that we were just talking about. Many people look at the why or why not. That's often referred to as motivation. We could have internal motivation. We can have external motivation. They both can be effective. I tend to think that your internal motivators are going to be better for long term. Those are things like wanting to show up as your best self for the various roles we play, whether that be parent, doctor, uh, employee, employer, uh, taking care of your dog, whatever it is. We want to show up as the best version of ourselves so we can serve others. That's the bottom line. As opposed to getting six-pack abs to go on a beach vacation, that's an external motivator. That depends upon the opinions of others. And it can be great for, say, a four- to six-week stint. You know, it, it can help. But as far as long-term motivators, you need that internal. Uh, but the middle ground there, the bridge between the what, the diet, exercise, and recovery, and the motivation is the how. And the how is your habit creation. And that is where most people fail to pay attention. They just think they can flip the switch. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to start my diet. I'm going to eat nothing but vegetables, meat, and water. I'm going to go on a four-mile jog. And then after that, I'm going to go hit the gym for 30 minutes when I get home from work. No, you're not. You're going to fail miserably is what's going to happen uh, 99% of the time. You need to start at a level that I call far below your perceived level of compliance. So what is that? That is something that is so small that there is not a single shred of doubt in your mind that you can do it. Is that a single push-up every day? Is that one mouthful of broccoli every day? What is it? Build some momentum. Do it for a week straight. Once you do that, add another piece to the puzzle. And that is the way you build lifelong habits instead of going on these crash diets that you know all that weight's coming back, if not more. No, that that uh, sounds real similar to, you know, B.J. Fogg, the Stanford psychologist? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 so habit, his yeah. tiny habit formation. And uh, now I, I agree with that in a lot of different ways is really making sure, because just like you said, we start these things and we have, you know, motivation, that, that, that motivation we have is so high for some amount of time, but it's nothing that we can sustain. And it's just... You know, just like you're saying, people are going to go out and I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to do run five miles. I'm going to do this, or um, you know, even if if even if you you I have some people that want to compete with their grandchildren, you know, and do something <laughs> with their I'm going to run with my my grandkids or whatever. Is um, that you can do that for a day, maybe yeah. two days, maybe three days, but it just doesn't work. So I love that approach of really making it a non-barrier. And I think what you're saying is making it such a small step that the actual first action that you're taking towards whatever, you know, the diet or the exercise is so small that you don't have an excuse to not do it. Or if you do make that excuse, you know it's because you were just not doing it. It's not because right, yeah. it's too you, hard you know, or no, it's not no too time. Hard. Yeah, you know, any excuse you have is false. Good, <laughs> good. It is not true. Which and, and folks, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and there's nothing wrong if you, if you don't follow through on the action with – with not doing it, as long as you're honest with yourself and say it's because I am at this point in time choosing not to do it. The danger, and Vic, you can tell me if, if you have any opinions on this, that when people set these things up and then they fail is then they say, well, I would have done it, uh, but it was because of whatever. It was, I was, didn't have enough time. I didn't, all the stuff that they don't have any control over. And realistically, we do have control. And if you 
you just recognize that you do have control and you can take that action. And if you choose not to, it lets you be able to change later on. At some point in the future when you really want to invest and take the time to do it, you can. But if people just sit there and go, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't, then they're not going to change. They're not going to change. Anyway, you, you just touched that little nerve in me, so I had to get it out of my system here. <laughs> so we got diet. We've got recovery, which I love that. I love that. That was, uh, you know, that makes so much sense. And then we started the exercise. But let's go back to the diet thing then. So what do you recommend about diet? And the reason I'm saying this, I don't want to, you know, blindside you here, is because we have all these crazy dietary recommendations, particularly in healthcare. And there was a recent paper that just came out that talked about, particularly the saturated fat guidelines were completely wrong. And they were based right. on false evidence. Uh, right. And most of our dietary pyramid or whatever is a joke. So right. where, where, where should people start with not the fat-free foods? Or should they be going and getting the Jenny Craig fat-free whatever? No, definitely not. I, I agree with, with the way you termed it. And in fact, it's almost word for word the way that I do. And what I typically say is eat real natural food. So what is a real natural food? It is something that either grew from the ground or had a heartbeat. It is something that has no other ingredients or had a heartbeat as in previously, right? We're not eating the live <laughs> cow. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so if you, if you look around, those are things like your vegetables, your fruits, your nuts, your seeds, your meats, your fish, your eggs. Uh, that's what's going to qualify for that. There are no bread trees. There are no pasta bushes. There are. You're not going to find those growing naturally in nature, and you can't eat their ingredients unless they become processed, meaning wheat specifically. Um, so that's the that's the starting point in my view. And oftentimes you, it's very popular now to refer to that as a paleo diet. Call it that if that's an easy way for you to remember it. But I think the easier way to remember it, and, and the way that makes more common sense is just eat food in its natural source. Just eat food that does not have an ingredient label. You go to the meat counter, there's no ingredient label on there. You go to the produce section, you pick up a head of broccoli, there's no ingredient label on there. Uh, another guideline I like to give is that if you do read an ingredient label and it has words on it that would make a spelling bee champ sweat, then don't eat it. Uh, that goes back to the toxins that you were talking about. Uh, another good guideline is if it came in a, in a paper wrapper or cardboard box, then you probably shouldn't eat it. Are there exceptions to that? Sure. You know, you get a bag of almonds that's in a plastic bag. Sure. But read the ingredient list on that raw almond bag and what's it say? Almonds. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, now, as far as that being a starting point, where can you kind of blur the lines a little bit? Um, I've experimented with myself and also with clients eating small amounts of foods that are definitely carbohydrate dense. Uh, those small foods being in particular sweet potatoes, I've had fine success with that, especially in limited quantities. But again, what's that? A real natural food, no other ingredients. It grew from the ground. Although its carbohydrate count is a little higher than many times people are afraid of, you know, oh, I can't eat carbs. Uh, and then white rice is another one that I've had success with. Again, now that one is processed. You know, that's not the natural state of rice, uh, but I found that that, that that has been okay in limited doses. Um, other than that, we've got we've got some blurred lines that I think people have to test themselves. We all have a different genetic makeup. Uh, dairy is probably the biggest culprit there in, in the gray area. I think butter is fine, particularly if it's from a natural source, grass-fed cows, no antibiotics, etc. Uh, going down the line, I think you really have to test and track yourself, how your body tolerates it or not. Um, cheese really gets mixed reviews. Uh, some cheese is better than others. I, t I tend to find that like feta, gorgonzola, uh, those very high fat cheeses tend to be okay in small doses for some people, but certainly not all. Uh, it really does come back to testing and tracking and acknowledging the fact that we all do have a different genetic makeup, background, and physiology. Well, and, and we also have different things that we would maintain in some way, shape, or form. So 
and the reason I'm saying is like that is there's some people out there that may not like broccoli. I don't know why. Yeah. I love broccoli. My daughter doesn't. <laughs> I don't know why. Her mother loves it. I love it. Her brother even eats it. So why doesn't she? I'm not sure. Um, but I think with the guidelines that you provided, because a lot of times when people say, well, the, the diet's too strict or whatever, but you're, what you're suggesting isn't strict. No. I mean, th- there's all sorts of foods. All it is requiring you to do is really just to stay away from the processed stuff. That still leaves all the produce. That still leaves all the meats, the fishes. Um, you know, you touched on the dairy things. It's really staying away from the boxed foods, the highly processed foods. Now, and I'm going to anticipate this. Um, hopefully no one, if anybody out there has this question, but does that make it more difficult to cook? Does it make it more difficult to actually buy your groceries? Uh, well, I, to me, it makes it easier to buy groceries. Um, it makes it much easier to buy groceries because you stay around the perimeter of the grocery store, right? The produce section is always on the perimeter. The meat counter is always on the perimeter. The, the dairy section uh, where the eggs are usually kept is always on the perimeter. The only thing that's in the middle aisles where you find yourself wandering up and down and meandering are boxed goods, canned goods, stuff that you know you shouldn't be eating anyway. Uh, with some exceptions, you know, you got to buy your toilet paper or whatever. That tends to be in the aisles too. Um, but by and large, no, I mean, I, I can get in and out of the grocery store in no time flat. Now, granted, I'm single, no kids. It's going to take some people a little bit longer, but there are some things you can do to prepare beforehand. I recommend pre-planning, and this is the sequence of events I recommend for pre-planning. I recommend on one day, for many people, this will be Sunday, you wake up, you take a look at your calendar. You pre-plan your meals. First thing you put in there is all the times that you absolutely must eat out, whether that's a client luncheon or you know you're going to a function for the kid's school, whatever. Put it in your calendar and ideally also write down what you're going to eat at those functions as best you can control. From there, now you plug in the meals that you're going to have to cook yourself. You write those out right in your calendar five days a week. Write them out. From there, from those meals you just planned, now you can concoct your grocery list. You make your grocery list from those meals you just wrote out, and now you go to the store and you buy only what's on your list. Now, kind of bonus points or the way I like to do it personally is then when as soon as you get back from the grocery store, you pre-cook and you pre-package those meals as best you can. I like to cook two protein sources. That will get me to uh, Wednesday at least. Uh, for me personally, that's usually a, a pot roast that I cook in the in the uh, slow cooker and maybe some ground pork or ground turkey or something like that that I'll eat with breakfast with eggs and then I also chop up all my all of my vegetables for either stir fries or salads. Uh, it does not take that long. Again, obviously it's going to take longer if you have several people you have to prep for, uh, but it's well worth investing that time. Uh, say on a Sunday, let's just use that as an example because many people have that day off. But whatever your day off is, block off two to four hours and you are set for the week. If you fail to do that, this is what's going to happen. This circles back to our habit creation that we talked about. Your willpower is shot. You come home from a long day of work. You had a flat tire on the way home. You come back, you figure out your kid, you found out your kid got an F on a test and you don't have any food prepped? Do you think you're going to take the time to cook? Hell no. You're ordering a pizza is what you're going to do. Um, but that prevents that from happening. If you already have your food prepared, you've got no excuse. It's there. It's done. You don't have to take the time or energy to make it happen. No, that, that's excellent. That that whole idea of – and to be honest for everybody out there too, that it also is somewhat difficult to start because uh, we are creatures of reaction rather than pre-action. Um, but what, when you were talking about that, what I found was interesting is recognizing that people are going to go out to eat and just planning those in advance. Yes. And, um, you know, rather than letting them, you know, just, I'm just going to go to that meal or I know I have to eat out. What you said, which I thought was a very important point to emphasize, makes a ton of sense, is to pick and choose what you're going to eat before you're there. And I love yes. that. 
And for, for a long time, we're not even long time listeners. There was an episode we did, oh, I don't know, three or four months ago when we talked about um, habits for behavioral change and the book that just came out by Dr. Gabriel Otengen on um, a behavioral strategy, which is something called implementation intentions, which is an if then statement. And I'm uh-huh. sorry, I'm interrupting here, Vic, but this is a perfect segue into that. And it basically is a way to prep yourself for these pre, you're preloading a decision. So if you so if or when I go to whatever dinner it is, I, then I will act, you know, I will buy or I will get this dinner thing. And when you do that simple action, if I go out to eat or when I go out to eat, then I will, you know, buy whatever it is, the chicken, whatever, whatever the healthier alternative is. It is not a hundred percent guarantee, but it significantly increases the rate of success for people. And there's a ton of scientific data on that. So that's a, that just feeds in perfectly with that suggestion. I just love, love that idea of planning. You know, if you know you're going to go out to eat, just plan what you're going to eat before you get there. It makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like to remind people that any semi-decent restaurant in the world can make chicken and broccoli or grilled steak and a salad, even if it's not on the menu. Remember, you're the, you are the customer. Tell them what you want. That's right. And both of those taste good. I yeah, love I love them both, right? <laughs> and if you don't like broccoli, I'm sure there's another vegetable yeah, I, I out there. Yeah, got something else, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, whatever. It's there. All right, so we talked a little bit about the diet with the main things being on the diet is really avoiding those processed foods, the stuff that, you know, has I love that ingredient list, by the way, too. That's just fantastic cuz I never <laughs> thought about that. That's true. You know, you know, yeah. buy meat. It doesn't say, com, you know, composed of blah blah blah, this many amino acid chains and right. this and that and and if you buy the stick of broccoli, it doesn't tell you it just got whatever red dye number five or whatever <laughs> in it. But that just makes a lot of sense. So let's go to step two then. We already talked about diet. The really the big thing sounds like pre-planning, making sure you have one day to kind of block it out. What about the recovery session? Like, what do you t- recommend for that? Two things that I focus on: the sleep we've already mentioned, uh, and that's really comes down to making your own power down ritual as I like to refer to it sometimes. I think a big factor nowadays, modern times, is all the electronics we surround ourselves with. The sooner you can turn those off after the sun goes down, the better, in my opinion. Uh, I really think that that has helped my own sleep personally, and I've had clients tell me that it's helped theirs as well. Uh, So just make sure you have that evening ritual and, and keep your sleep space sacred as well, dark, cool, and clean. Other than that, the next place I look to is stress reduction, and that's something that you mentioned. Uh, There's all kind of ways that you can do your stress management, uh, whether that be some sort of formal meditation or some sort of informal calming, whether that's just going for a long walk, uh, ideally in nature maybe, but not even that. I mean, even just going for a walk in and of itself is going to do a lot. Um, Some people like to do yoga, other type of uh, more eased Uh, physical activity that can calm them down uh, or even just deep breathing exercises. I think all of that is important for stress reduction and then ideally as you mentioned with your point on toxicity is to remove those stressors from your life as much as possible. I mean obviously not all of them we can. If you have a teenager you're going to have stress uh, and you're not going to remove them from your life Um, but maybe your job you know, maybe your job situation is something you can work toward changing if it is causing you a whole lot of stress. or maybe you are surrounding yourself with people who are causing you stress and maybe you can find new places, new people to associate with. So we do have to take responsibility as much as possible uh, in realizing that those stressors absolutely do impact our, our fat loss, certainly, but our health overall as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's something that I, I've commonly heard in the past is people recognize that they have a lot of stress, 
but they'll say, well, I don't have any time to deal with this right now, or I need to do this, that, or other thing. And, and really, if people understand that it is not just, just like you said, it's not a fat loss issue. It is a, it's a health issue. Um, and you're really damaging your health by not addressing that stress. I it just, it's a big frustration for me. People always say they're stressed out. It's probably the number one health concern that we really should have in the nation. And then everybody sort of poo-poos it and blows it off and says, well, it's just stress. No, it's not just stress. <laughs> you know, it really isn't. All right. So we talked about the diet. We talked about the recovery. All great ideas on how to sort of power down your body. You know, one thing on that, though, what do you think about sleep structure? Meaning, and what I mean by that is you know, when we're teenagers, we I, I, if you're like me and most, I guess, I think I was like most teenagers, you know, you had crazy hours. We would sleep till noon on the weekends and then do whatever during the week. But what do you think about as you're getting older is actually making sure that you have a structured sleep period. Do you, have you found that to be any benefit for the people? I mean, going to the it, bed? I, I've certainly found it as a benefit with myself. Okay. Uh, I can't, I can't say that I've gotten any clients to stick to that. I haven't experimented outside of myself, but yeah, no, I'm pretty standard in bed at nine, read a book till 10 while I'm in bed up at 6am. That's, that's pretty standard for me seven days a week, uh, you know, with the rare exceptions here and there, but by and large, that's, that's my ritual. I start powering down the electronics by 7pm if at all possible. It's not always possible if you, if you make your living online, but uh, certainly by 8pm I'm powered down, 9pm I'm in bed, uh, read a book for an hour, uh, and then uh, lights out at 10 up at 6 a.m. Yeah. And another nice thing about that with your ritual then is that's that builds a habit once you have that ritual yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It throws me off now if I uh, do have a late Saturday night or whatever because I have friends in town or something. But uh, I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> Isn't that, after the age of about 35, we start feeling everything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we talked about diet being the number one thing. If you really want to start really losing weight and, uh, you know, we this isn't a, you know, some crazy, whatever, biggest loser podcast or anything like that. But really, if you lose, you know, people out there, if you're losing even five to 10 pounds, which really isn't that much, but if you're really dedicated to losing that five to 10 pounds, that is going to affect things like your blood pressure. I mean, high blood pressure, it's going to, that has an effect as good as any of the blood pressure medications out there. You're going to, it's one of the best treatments you have. If you have type two diabetes, just that small amount of weight loss right there, obviously if you can do more, it's great. Um, but these things, these lifestyle interventions and starting just with your diet and with your recovery are th things that are not just for fat loss. They will, they definitely are the structure that you need if you really want to keep your health and improve your health. And if you're moving into a retirement so that you can actually live a great retirement uh, without, you know, all the aches and pains and blood going to, or I should say without having a retirement where you're just seeing doctors all the time. And I have seen a couple of people that that is basically what their retirement consists of. We don't want to get there. All right. So now number three, which is what everybody tends to think is the most important thing when it comes to weight loss and fitness. But what we've learned so far in this little talk here is that you put it after the diet yeah, and recovery. It's, it's the last place I look. I, I, here's another way to think about it. You absolutely can lose weight by only adjusting your diet. You cannot lose weight by only adjusting your exercise. If you don't, if you don't change your diet at all, and you just start killing yourself in the gym, I mean, think about it. Uh, just how many times have you gone into the gym and you've seen the same person there for sometimes years at a time, and they look exactly the same? They're there an hour every single day for years on end, and they don't lose any weight. Why? Because they're not changing their diet. That's why. <laughs> That's absolutely why. Uh, as far as exercise recommendations go, I recommend. Um, ideally daily movement daily 
Uh, some people get paranoid, oh, I can only work out three days per week. Well, that depends on a variety of factors, most importantly being your programming. And when I say daily, I recommend for all fitness levels. I don't care if you are uh, you know, just getting started off, fresh off the couch, or you are an elite professional athlete. I recommend for everyone daily walking. Maybe for you, just getting started, that's down to the end of your driveway and back. Who knows? Uh, but someone who's of say moderate level fitness, I think a, a walk that is up to about two to three miles per day, if it can fit into their schedule, is excellent if they can do that. And then personally, I like to get one long walk in, usually on a Sunday, uh, anywhere between five to eight miles. Wow, that's a long walk. Yeah, but that's the only thing I do on that Sunday. Oh. I, don't, I don't do any other training, and like I said, it's just part of my, my Sunday daily ritual. Um, other than that training, I do think that everyone should do some form of resistance training. Resistance training does not necessarily mean lifting weights, but it can. Uh, there are plenty of bodyweight exercises that can be done. They, they have their advantages and their disadvantages. And then, of course, there are the machines. For years, many, many years, I was adamantly opposed to using the exercise machines. As I've gotten older and possibly wiser, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, maybe I'm just getting soft, I am starting to see some advantages to the machines, particularly for people who that is the only means of resistance training that they will do. I mean, it goes back to what you were mentioning with the broccoli. Some people just simply won't eat broccoli no matter how many times we tell them to do it. Well, some people are simply not going to go into the free weight area no matter how many times I tell them it is beneficial. Some people are not going to buy a set of dumbbells and stick them in their closet and pull them out every day for 10 minutes. Uh, but they, for whatever reason, they feel comfortable going in there and, and sitting on those machines. It's not ideal. It's not the best case scenario in my opinion, but it's certainly better than sitting on the couch all night. Uh, so I've kind of softened my stance on exercise machines. Uh, to give specifics, one, people have to be very aware of their range of motion. Okay, You can't force force through that range of motion. Uh, so a common recommendation, say, for a squat, whether that's a bodyweight squat or you're using a barbell squat, whatever it may be, is you want to go to at least parallel, ideally to where your hip crease is below your knees at the bottom. That's a great recommendation for someone who, who can do that with good technique. Um, the recommendation I typically give is very simply, you should go as deep as you can while maintaining good technique. Uh, and that good technique is going to include keeping an upright torso, keeping your toes turned slightly outward. Uh, you want to keep those knees tracking your toes. And hey, if you can go all the way down and then back up while pushing through your heels and keeping your heels, your, your heels flat on the floor, I say great. But if you go down and your spine starts to curve whenever you get it about a quarter of the way down, that's where your squat depth stops. And then you gradually over time try to increase that. Uh, so that's something that I don't think is addressed often enough is that natural range of motion that someone starts with. Or maybe it's abnormal range of motion is probably a better way to put it from uh, sitting in our computers all the time, sitting in our cars all the time. Oftentimes people are very inflexible uh, and it takes time often to work back into that natural range of motion uh, and use that. So that's something else I would caution people on is uh, to watch the range of motion, but I think maybe the most important tip for exercise is to do something that you enjoy. Uh, and that kind of comes circle back around to the machines versus the free weight area. Uh, but people ask me all the time about uh, going out for jogging. Oh, I need to jog because I lose weight. I ask them, do you like to jog? No, I hate it. Well, then don't do it. <laughs> it's that simple. I mean, there's so many ways you can exercise. Go dance. Go climb rocks. Go, go walk. Go uh, play with your dog. Go uh, play in your garden. You know, shovel dirt. Whatever. I mean, there's so many ways that we can be active, and this is why I'm I, without hesitation, am an advocate for daily movement. You know, the it. it a daily movement doesn't necessarily mean that you're piling on 300 pounds of barbells across your shoulders every single day. Daily movement just means that you are active every single day. Now, that's, that's excellent. And I like what you're talking about movement because a lot of times I think people get 
really concerned about doing everything perfectly or doing it in the right way. And I liked how you were talking about just doing a bodyweight squat. Now, no matter how old you are, as long as you're somewhat mo mobile, you can get up. And even if you're concerned about falling, you could grab the couch or the chair in front of you. And you, can, you don't have to go all the way down. Even just a partial squat is going to activate those muscles in some way. And if you do that over time, I'm, you know, I, I would think that you're going to build up some muscle. And as you get better, you're going to improve. It's just like anything. Those small steps will get you better and better. Um, now, do yeah. you have any opinions on, uh, you know, basically types of if you're going to use some sort of resistance? Because there also is some some good evidence where if you're actually doing muscle resistance, muscle building activities that may if you're only going to do um, if you're not going to do tons and tons of exercise, that may be as much or more beneficial than any sort of cardio routine for sure. Uh, I, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, def I definitely agree with that. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll shoot you the screenshot. It's kind of a, an old picture of, of mine. I, and by old, I mean it's, it's less than a year old, but it's a picture of I use a uh, heart rate monitor on my phone sometimes. And I, and, and, uh, it's, I'm still in bed. I haven't got woken from bed yet, so it's, it's my resting heart rate is what it is. And it's, it's a 44. I have a resting heart rate of 44 in this picture, and I don't do any cardio whatsoever. All I do is lift weights and, <laughs> and eat decent. I mean, so to have a, a resting heart rate of 44 whenever I'm in my early 40s with zero cardio, I think that that's, that's some uh, good, at least anecdotal evidence that, yeah, no, it's, it, lifting weights can be perfectly fine. In well, and I, 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 you know, I was going to say just from the, the evidence on fat metabolism things, it's really building up that muscle actually helps with insulin. And, you know, when you're losing fat sure. and you're building up muscle, it actually has some effects, you know, again, on your metabolism in a better way than just strict cardio does. Uh, and I, this brought me back because I wanted to you were talking about you've never seen anybody lose weight with just with exercise, not changing their diet. I did lose weight only through exercise without changing my diet um, when I was running. A you lot. did? Yes. My uh, my wife, I was one of those people I never liked to run. And then I was deployed and started running. And I was like, hey, this is kind of fun. I kind of like it. Um, I, I was weird enough that I actually like running on a treadmill. So we bought a treadmill and then my wife's like, well, let's do, let's run a half marathon. So I was training for that. So I was running a lot in my garage in San Diego, which is crazy because it's yeah. nice. But when you're running, you know, 15, 20 miles a week, I lost probably yeah. 20 pounds. Here's the kicker though. Wow. And this is why I think it's this, what, what you're, you're spot on is even if someone, because if some listener is going, Hey, I've lost weight with exercise and this is not true. What I did find is then I injured my knee and within one month when I wasn't running anymore, I gained it all back in one <laughs> month, one month. It was, I mean, just crazy. Uh, and I, my suspicion is because um, this is going back a long time ago. I used to lift a lot more. This is back in high school. Uh, and that was different because once you stop, if you, for whatever reason, stop losing, uh, you know, stop lifting weights and you still have that large muscle mass, it, it, that carries out for a much longer time. You don't all of a sudden gain all that stuff back. Like, God, man, that, that running, I just couldn't believe it. One month, it was all back again. <laughs> so, ah, anyway. So when it comes to those, those exercises again, though. So um, I've heard sometimes when people talk about push, a pull. You know these major muscle groups. You, you know, these like a, you want to do a pull type of exercise, a push type of exercise, uh, and a squat type of exercise. Am I missing anything on that? And if if I oh. am or not, could you explain those? Because I'm sure some of the listeners may not know. No, what that's about. that's exactly how how I design programs is push pull squat, and the push and the pull comes from the upper body, uh, and then squat. I, I do think there's something missing in that description, and that would be 
the way I prefer to term it is upper body push, upper body pull, lower body push, lower body pull. So whenever you're doing that squat, you're not getting a lower body pull. Uh, lower body pull is difficult to do without resistance, meaning external resistance. Uh, so an example of a lower body pull would be a deadlift, where you are pulling the weight off the ground. Okay, whereas a squat, you are pushing the weight, uh, you know, from mm -hmm. the ground up. So that would be the difference in, in where we want to make sure we, we still get those lower body pulls. The lower body pull is what's going to work the, the posterior chain, the hamstrings, the glutes, lower back, depending on the exercise you're doing. Now, the squats will work those muscles as well, as long as you are going to a requisite depth. If your squat technique is short, meaning you're still working on your range of motion, you're not going to hit those hamstrings or even the glutes very much. You're going to be very quadricep dominant. Um, but still, even with that, whether you're using a full range of motion or not, you should still incorporate some of the pulls for the lower body as well. Uh, classic exercises for each of those. Let's start with body weight. Body weight, upper body push. Uh, obviously, the push up is your, is your classic upper body push for body weight. The pull up would be your classic upper body pull. For the lower body, your squat would be your classic lower body push. Now we're getting into a little bit of uh, a challenging area, lower body pull. How do we do it? Uh, sprinting. I would count that as a lower body pull, particularly on flat land. If you're sprinting on hills, like doing hill sprints, that's going to be a little more quadricep dominant than hamstring. Um, but there's another exercise, if you're familiar at all with yoga, which I am by no means a yoga practitioner, but this exercise just happens to look very similar. Uh, it's called a warrior three pose, I think. I think it's warrior three. I don't know. Well, it's warrior something, one, two, or three. But you stand on one leg and you extend your hands forward and you extend your trail leg backward cool. so that your torso ends up perpendicular or I'm sorry your torso ends up parallel to the floor and then you return to that standing position by really focusing on digging into heel and so that's going to engage your glutes and your hamstrings uh, that is like I said a little challenge for some people to do particularly brand new to exercise another lower body pull that you could do that would require some small amount of equipment would be to use a stability ball and do a lying leg curl where your your heels are on top of the ball you're lying on your back or your, your upper shoulders and you curl that stability ball towards your butt and then extend your legs back out that would be an example of a body weight lower body pull as well oh, so let me kind of understand that because I'm, I'm trying to think of ways that people could do this at home if they're just getting started and so we talked you know like a push-up you could either do the full push-up on the ground and I'm th if mm -hmm. you haven't done one um, you can do those knee push-ups I believe and even if I was just I think I have an old book where they talked about doing a wall push-up if you really yeah no someone who is truly fresh off the couch just getting started uh, many people cannot do the knee push-up the wall push-up is the way to start and what you want to do is you want to find different uh, anchor points for your hands that you can gradually decrease so eventually the wall push-up is just not going to work so then you move to a lower surface oftentimes the back of a couch mm -hmm. is the next step from the wall push-up after that oftentimes uh, the front of a couch or or an ottoman can be the next step. From there, maybe we go to the knee push-up. Uh, another way that I like to work the range of motion, once someone feels comfortable, that they can actually get on the balls of their feet and at least hold the upper position of a standard push-up is to place a stack of magazines directly under their chest. And then they go down and they touch that magazine. If it's easy, they take one off the top. And then they yeah. just, they find, they get to the range where they where it's difficult to mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. that push-up and still touch their chest to the magazines. They stick with that for a few weeks. Lo and behold, what do you know? Two weeks later, they can take off the next magazine, and then they gradually work their full progression until they can go all the way chest to the floor. Oh, that's great. That's another – it's sort of like we were talking about with the squat. It's just a – Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Now, what about a, um, a pool exercise that doesn't require a pull-up bar? Because pull-ups are by no means the easiest thing for – No, pull-ups pull ups are very difficult. In fact, uh, 
I would say the majority of people I worked with could not do a full pull-up or chin-up. At least initially, they could not. Uh, the, the upper body pull is the only type of exercise that absolutely needs some form of equipment. It needs some form of exterior resistance or an anchor point for you to hang on to. Uh, so there are challenges with the upper body pulls sometimes. About the, the best home remedy that I have for that is a very sturdy, and I mean very sturdy, table such as a very sturdy dining room table, kitchen table where you would anchor on the ledge of that, uh, position your body so that you are underneath the table looking up at it and then you could pull yourself up. The way you would reduce the resistance, make it easier, would be to drop your hips. So your knees are bent, your hips are almost, your butt is almost all the way touching the floor, and then from there, you, as little as possible using your legs, you focus on using your, your arms and your back muscles to pull you up until your chest touches the lip of the table. Uh, that's probably the best, like I said, home remedy. Another option would be to use that chin-up bar, but to use something to assist you. Uh, you could use a chair, standing on a chair, and again, you use your legs to help you get up there, but you use those legs only as much as necessary. Or if you have access to a partner, they could assist you by holding onto your ankles or even at your waist or hips and guide you uh, up toward that pull-up bar. But you definitely want to find some method to, to get that upper body pull in and not become push dominant, which, uh, as you know, can lead to some joint issues, particularly the shoulders. Yeah, I can see that was a tough one. What about... Um I'm just thinking because this is what I use. Is there's straps that you can put on a pull-up bar too for a body? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can do that for to do body rows. Even a long towel. Okay. Would be fine. Okay. Yeah, a long towel would be fine. That does involve some grip strength, so the straps you're talking about are even better because they they typically have handles. But yeah, if you can get a strap, something that will will uh, a set of gymnastic rings could wear work. Anything where you can lower that that anchor point where you have to put your hands. Yeah, and what I like about the ones that I have is you can adjust the length on them. So you can again, just like if you're doing a wall push-up, you can do these little pulls yeah. that are really not that much to get started with and then you can get lower and lower and lower until you get into it uh yeah but i agree with you with the table thing holy smokes that better be a sturdy table yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't want that calling on my face um all right so we we did the there's the push there's the pull and i i, so I just wanted to cover that that the lower body pull and you were mm -hmm. talking about you would lie on the ground and you have those exercise balls and for those of you who are wondering what an exercise ball, I think most of you know about this. They're those, um, they're the rubber balls. They're very large. I don't know how big I'm putting my arms around, which you can't see, but making this ball kind of shape thing. Uh, people will often sit on those. If you've seen those pictures of people sitting on them for computers or whatever. So you're lying down and then your legs are draped over that ball. And then you're pulling like your heels to your butt with the ball in there. Right. Your legs aren't totally draped over, just your heels just are your initially. Heels. Just your heels are on the ball. So whenever you do that, your the back of your shoulders are going to be in contact with the ground. So your hips have to be raised. And then from there, then you pull your heels toward your butt and then re-extend your legs out. Okay. So then basically we've just that's a, there's a four exercise total body weight program that someone can start off with, right? Yeah, you absolutely. Do, your push is your pull up, and you can do your pull up either on your knees or on the wall to start off with. Your pull up. Uh, is going to be a body weight type of pull-up with you either do with a chin-up bar or if you have straps, which is a great option for you, um, or if you have a really big, heavy table that we're not worried <laughs> is going to crash on your head. <laughs> and, and, hey, and the other thing, folks, is if you don't have that stuff, then 
you don't have to do that for right now. Okay, I don't want you to say, well, I can't do any of these exercises because I don't have a way to do the pull exercise. Okay, we're, we're not looking for excuses. We're looking for what we can do. So we got the push up, we've got the pull, then we've got the body weight squat as a as the push for the lower body, and then the pull. We talk about using that um, that ball. If you don't have a medicine ball, could you do the similar motion and just sort of curl in your? I'm trying to think of a way you can. Can you do that? Like a you wouldn't get a lot of resistance out of it though. Right. Yeah. Would, the best way to try to to finagle that with without any real equipment would you would need a partner. Okay. You would need someone who could uh, provide resistance as they wrapped a towel around your ankle. So they would basically have the knee on the floor, so get way down there by your foot, and they strap a towel around your ankle, and then as you try, you're standing on one leg now, you're gonna have to do one leg at a time, so you're in a standing position. Uh, and you can use something for balance, you know, hang on to an edge of a table or the wall, and just one leg at a time, the one that's uh, that they are providing the resistance on, you're gonna curl that heel up towards your butt, uh, and they're gonna basically push down on it or pull down on it if they're using a towel. Okay. Ah, that seems a little tricky here. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the pulls are tough, man. The, the lower body pull with no with no equipment is really tough to do. Uh, maybe it's easier to describe the the weighted versions of that. Like I said, the deadlift would be one, but the most common one that people think of, and I think can most easily associate, particularly whenever we're using audio like this, uh, is just your lying leg curl machine mm-hmm. that you see in the gyms all the time, mm-hmm. where you lay on your stomach, you hook your feet under the pads, you pull your heels up towards your butt. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about a lower body pull. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, we actually have been speaking way longer than I expected here. Oh, boy. Hey, good conversation. Yeah, good conversation. I, and I, again, I think this is important. I, you know, we, we hit on a bunch of big things. And I think the big one was diet first is really yes. if, you, if you want to if you don't know where to start and you want to start somewhere. And this goes for not only health, but weight loss and everything else is really to come down to diet. Then you said recovery, which I thought was fantastic. I thought that was very interesting and not a way most people say you know, they throw the exercise right in, but really recognizing that role that, that sleep and recovery does play in our bodies, particularly in this day and age of all these fancy equipment that we have. And then finally down the exercise and then really not keeping, making this not complicated. You know, I think we, as long as you have, like you said, you, you divide it into a push, a pull, upper body, lower body, there's four exercises that you need to do. You can of course spruce that up over time. Um, But just, and just to start, I mean, I, I guess the other thing I would say and I see you guys can't see Vic nodding, but I can see him nodding at me through the Skype <laughs> is, um, you know, j- just starting with something. If you're going to do if, if you're not if you're only going to do, you know, would it be great if you did four exercise? Fantastic. But if you're going to do three exercises, that's good. If you're only going to do one exercise, that's better than nothing. And that also includes the walk. If you're going to, you know, right. walking for you don't have to do an eight mile walk like Vic does. But if you're walking a mile. You know, or yeah. a quarter mile, or you're just going to the park, or whatever the case may be, is starting somewhere. And rather than being concerned about doing the right or best way, is just doing something that's better than what you're doing now. So, anyway, I had to kind of summarize because we talked about so much stuff in here. It's a big yeah. deal. Now, for the exercise though, with um, you have a list. Of, don't you have a bodyweight program? It's available oh, yeah. online, right? Uh, it's 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 currently. Down for repairs. <laughs> down for repairs. Okay. Currently down for repairs, but it will be up soon. Uh, for those who listen to this uh, uh, far off in the future, that is fatlossforfree.com. Fatlossforfree.com. Uh, it includes uh, plenty of body weight exercises with video demonstrations of each movement. Yeah, yeah, and uh, 
Yeah, I think you told me about. There's you had four different levels in there, and yeah, all right, that's why it's of, down for repairs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might be a little overwhelming for people. <laughs> it was all free. That's the other part I just couldn't believe. I was like, "Holy smokes, are you kidding me?" Yeah. Um, all right. So anyway, don't go there yet, folks. If you're, if you're listening to this three, four, five, six months, or I don't know, I'm giving you bad credit here. Maybe it's next month. You'll have it already. <laughs> uh, you can check it out then. But until that time, um, where can people find you? We can get a little bit more information about you. VicMcGarry.com. That's V-I-C-M-A-G-A-R-Y.com. All right. Any last words here? No, that's it. Thanks for having me, Kevin. All right. Thanks, Vic. And for everyone else, be well. <laughs>